brother, thank you so much uh, for, I guess, speaking to me about um, all of this. And I really just want to talk to you about, I guess, your experience with being in the Foreign Legion in Ukraine and anything you can tell me about that. Yeah, sure, no worries, but it's not going to sound very good, to be honest. Even when I'm planning to come back and literally had my nearly last arrangements, pre-last arrangements to go back on the front lines with a different team and so on. And yeah, but mainly it's, it's, it's really, really bad because I served in different militaries, uh, different, different private sectors all over the globe. And that was a, sorry for my language, was really, really, really bad. Yeah. In what way? Okay, starting from the beginning, I fully understand when in the beginning it's third week of war when we nearly got deployed on the first combat deployment. Um, it's straight away. It's straight away. It was absolute chaos. It was, was first was with Airpin next to the Kiev. Of course, they collected really highly experienced blokes like myself. Uh, like, like some guys who come to the Foreign Legion, uh, they spend a month training and then they go into the and into into the wall let's say war zones and stuff but we were we had two nights to prepare and we was we was heading then straight to the kiev and straight to the airplane yeah uh they were really 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 hiding information you're constantly going into the blind absolute blind you go in they send you like i said we went to the app and we straight away got smacked by artillery direct artillery direct sniper fire and so on we wasn't aware of where we're going any maps anything it just yeah 34 blokes foreign blokes um we get in the forest we'll show you where to go and good luck <laughs> right. It was really poor organized. But like I said, I thought that was only the beginning because it was third week of war, and you know, every it's a big chaos. It's a Kiev still have what they call sixty miles convoy coming in, you know, to 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 to, to assault Kiev and so on. But it continued and continued for like I said for another two three months. It was still the same, different units, different places, different commanders was still the same. They will drop us off in the middle of nowhere. We don't know where is the friendlies, where is the enemies, what our prop objective and so on. It was just released. Yeah. Okay, guys, just yeah, yeah, just walk there four miles and and then um, set an OP and like, yeah, okay. Any friendlies, anything, any intel? No, no, nothing. Just just go. That's the order. Literally that way. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you think that was just to the foreign fighters or do you think that was like um, through the Defence Force wide? Uh, this Defence Force, uh, like my partner, she's into sports. She's like uh, uh, really highly at sports in Ukraine. Mm. I don't want to mention the titles. Absolutely one, not. But she's higher up. And she knows loads of people who does martial arts and hair kind of. They just, she have really wide circle of people who does the sports and especially martial artists. Most of them end up being in the front lines and stuff. Yes. And she knows many guys who've been fighting from 2014 on the, you know, first invasion. And uh, she was saying, look, 
never change. It always been the same. It, they always fought the same. They will send the blokes not knowing where they're going, what's the objective, or if they have any backup, like happened to a couple of my teams who got killed uh, because they didn't have any backup when they requested just some cover fire from artillery. They didn't got any, didn't got any help. And the end, they find out that the artillery didn't have the guys from the artillery didn't had any rounds for the last two days. Like you sending your team into deep enemy territory like six clicks being surrounded by enemies and you have nothing to back up your boys out if, if something happens in the area where already we had the combats and our guys died some famous names you know who've been on television and so on the guys died there and you pushing again those guys back in into just it just doesn't make sense so many ops look like you just totally you know suicide like like your friends who uh your friends who got in contact both of us you know he the same he got sent out what less than a day on an uh, combat op and the guys got killed and heavily injured and so on it's like wow that's that's just ridiculous yeah yeah and what sort of casualties are we talking about you know is it two percent or is it 50 percent? like how many guys are dying on these ops uh, depending on the op, depending on the area under whose command, but I don't know. It could be five percent. It could be <laughs> the team, which is quite famous. The guys all over the news. Um, one of them got uh, POW, uh, Andy, and he got POW. I think if them, the whole team is only one guy survived and one is POW right. from six seven man team. Literally, we refused, our team refused to go into that, uh, go back to the same location where we got absolutely hammered. Other team said, ah, we will go instead of you. And like I said, only one alive and and one captured and the rest of the guys are dead. And how often and yeah. is that happening? Like how often does a complete team just get eliminated? Uh, in my case, that was only once. But the numbers is like ridiculous. The guys, the, the amount of the guys getting killed is just, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't want to speculate any numbers yeah. without being, you know, I just can't tell how the management was running, how the, how, like I said, they were sending us left and right. And then how my personal free firearms disappeared from the armory. It's like, wow, that's brilliant, guys. That's a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, because my my pair, pair, first AK uh, disappeared from the armory with the pistol, and then my brand disappeared. And after that, I had um, uh, Belgium Scar L. It's like seriously, how the guns disappear from the armory? It's like loads of corruption, loads of really shady shit going on there. Right. And can you can you tell me about some of the corruption that's happening? Uh like let's see. Uh, the guy who was in charge of the armory, he the guns was constantly disappearing from the small firearms to to be the bigger toys, you know, anti anti armored vehicle stuff, anti anti aircraft, low flying anti aircraft stuff. If things were disappearing. Um, the the commander was who was in charge was reported repeatedly to the special special services who collected the statements from us multiple times and they did nothing 
Yeah. And it's like how how it's possible the guy steals so much kit and we we actually yeah he steals and nothing happens or the guys who send so many teams to die into literally suicidal missions so like guys that's straightforward death trap it's it's like even no brainer the guy with the minimal infantry skills like you shouldn't go there and most of us you know some of most of us like highly experienced with 10 20 years of a military experience of you know <laughs> middle east and so on and they, they just don't want to listen that's where you go you go guys die with a report that look that commandment just incompetent to command yeah. but they still still get to command large numbers of people and it's happening again again and again and now the same commander who officially apologized for losing so many people in Epin and Bucha. Then he got the same into, I think it's uh, Severdonetsk. Yeah, Severdonetsk. After that, now he's in charge in Zaporozhye. Again, he's, 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 he's losing people left and right. It's like, how the hell you keep those people in charge? And yeah. it's not like, you know, understand some ops, you go in, some, you know, someone's died, someone's gets injured, and you're like, yeah, that was bad luck. Well, we, we you know. It was just it just fighting, simple as that. But some you go, you look, and it's like not you asking to die. That's just literally stupid shit you want us to do. Yes, and yeah. that's the, the the largest amount of my friends who died got injured, died or got injured, and literally through those ops. It's only a couple of my mates who died. Are like, well, that was a bad shit, bad luck. Yeah. Simple as that. Yes, it just was. Sorry, you're saying so most people are, I guess, no, needlessly dying yeah. due to incompetence. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's incompetence. It, the thing is, huh, it's it's some kind of um, culture because, like I said, it was exactly the same happening with the Ukrainian soldiers and especially veterans who have, like, a highly skilled, no one wants to listen usually. Yes. You know, it's not like, oh, we have a very, very important man coming in in one of the places where heavily fighting was happening. And he's he's from U.S. in regards of a heavy, heavy, heavy uh, supplies of uh, loads of loads of equipment from from bullets to, you know, ammunition to uh, the newest drones and night visions and so on and so on. And, and he was like asking uh, the commanders because I was translator that day. And he was asking commanders of uh, various teams, like a sniper team. And he said, why are you not fighting like in the guys fought in Middle East? You know, you see the target. Well, you sneak up, you see the target, you pop the target because they're usually the same locations and you disappear and you repeat the same tactics. Hmm. And the sniper team commanders, the uh, uh, answer was uh, Ukrainians. They tell us how to how how to conduct the operations, and that fighting to get independence from Ukraine and uh, incapable so many commanders was constantly being suppressed. Uh, like I said, I had three teams already being in three different teams. A fourth fourth one I refused to go on the last combat all because I said, guys, he's sending you to die. And most of the team were. Let's say 80 70 percent guys never seen the combat here in Ukraine. I said, Guys, I'm refusing to go. And guess what? Uh, you know who got injured? Another couple guys got injured, one got heavily injured, and one guy got killed in the first hundred meters of the combat up where because they didn't tell us, tell them what's going on. You know, it's so much misinformation. Then I don't know, like Ukrainians have a joke. Like SF guys, I remember even in Epin in the first weeks, they said so many Ukrainian commanders who've been retired 
they came back to 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 run the operations and units and it's like guys you fight old school and you don't want to learn the new ways how you fight guerrilla warfare maybe some do i'm not saying all it's just my personal experience what i came across but yeah they just don't want to listen it's like guys we can do it smarter not that's the orders but that's stupid guys will die well you you know or you obey the order or you get uh, you know your contract cancelled and that's it there was no middle ground and until this day I still hear the same stories guys just get sent and nah that's how we want and it's like but that's literally stupid yes yes for sure for sure and you, you mentioned the corruption before of like weapons and things like that going missing are they being sold on or are they just being stolen or do you have any insight on that I don't know. I don't know nothing for sure. I can only only guess that it's uh, to 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 money to gain money because, you know, missing and law matador, anti low flying aircraft systems and so on. They I can, I can be sure they can cost a serious money. Uh, looks like there is a, a, a for so many people um, now is. Um, war is i don't know not good but profitable yeah. time and so many of them you know now it's more and more projects going on in regards of uh finding or the hardest ways to find the reliable sources where your donations and supplies and equipment can literally reach the right people i know i know one of my colleagues uh, we fought together in epin and butcher and he had a massive massive um, delivery from czech republic uh, hundreds of thousands pounds worth of magazines and so on and he asked the local SBU team, and I said, look, the, it disappeared on um, when they entered the country, and I can't retract it. And they're like, oh, we don't know nothing about it, but we'll make an investigation. And guess what? The same guy have another thousands of thousands worth of equipment, but he's now scared to send it. He's literally saying, yeah, I will send it to you, and then you will distribute it where it needs to be. Because so many people just not relying on them because they know how it's corrupted. Lviv is now one of the one of the lux- most luxurious cities probably in the country because most stuff goes there and disappears if yeah. it if it crosses the border and one is just pure corruption pure corruption they I thought they will pick up because it's a war against you know if you lose this war it's like it can't be worse it's it's like the biggest price you can pay is lose the war but people are still stealing left and right like my last pay haven't been paid and we haven't got paid a single penny for our combat ops and some guys who've been in combat ops haven't got even basic pay and it's, it's been like this from 2014 at least for the ukrainian soldiers is like what's going on guys you you get the money to pay the wages and so on yeah yeah and then enough nothing to yeah i have nothing to con- yeah 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 and go for it where do you think that money's going well, uh, the problem in Ukraine, you know, most countries, they have a mafia to steal money, you know, odd people to steal money, governments or whatever, you know, let's say obtain more money. But for them, they looks like the culture. It's from the bottom feeders, from the small commanders to the higher up. There is there is like um, President Zelensky, he knew about the attack and he admitted it publicly that the attack could, 
they knew about the attack of over a year ago, but then they wanted to save the economy. And then the another thing he 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 wasted the shitloads of sorry shitloads of money on the roads instead of our military programs. Like he fully when he came into power, he stopped the rockets, uh, rockets anti anti loads loads of stuff got stopped. And looks like they're stealing from all levels because that guy who we reported who was in charge commander. Uh, of missing guns and so on and so on constantly from the armory and not even armory uh, it looked like the local let's say security not secure intelligence teams were quite aware of it quite well right. because he never got locked up he always got away it's like nothing never happened to him it's like how come he'd been reported guns are missing it's signatures and everything it's like you can't just hide that the gun disappeared in the books and everywhere that that gun being left in a in an armory you know it's like some obvious things it looks like they steal on every level that's it it yeah. just everyone tries to profit from it not everyone everyone who have the right contacts and uh, let's say right attitude maybe trying yeah. to profit from it that's the problem if you if you weed like SBU main 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 chief being being taken off of his duties, but they knew about his shady businesses ages ago until they did something too much, and that's when they start slamming on them. It's like, but guys, you knew about them being shady and uh, taking the mines. I think that was the the mines, the bridge or the roads and everything being mined from um from the from the seaside. And they took the mines just before the assault, and it's like, how come? And that was the secret agency's job, our secret agency's job. Why you take the mines and everything just before the assault? Mm. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's really bad. You know, we came with our hearts, leaving good jobs, good lives, and everything, you know, really good lives to help them out. People pouring from their own businesses and their own pockets insane amount of money and we're risking our lives and everything and they still do things like this. It's like, you know, really frustrating. I bet. Yeah, I, I, I bet. I bet that would be very, very difficult, especially if you're knowing people dying, you know, as a direct result of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much experience have you had with like against the Russians, are they having, you know, are they, because I guess a lot of the media is saying that they're being completely defeated. Um, is that your um, sort of experience with them or are they supplied well and are they moving moving forwards into Ukraine? Uh, um, at the moment, it looks like, yeah, they're giving, they, they have so much more. I know, I know, more than a couple teams who was very active and usually they get you know they get uh, more fire than they can deliver like my 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 one of my friends team just recently tried to make an assault and realized that there was so many armored vehicles that they, they were far to be able to engage and they they're like top-notch guys like the most the most equipped let's say forces in the country and they were like, no, nah, we wasn't able. It was too many armored vehicles, was too many and we need to fall back and replan and so on. And one thing, I think they are slowly losing, but at the same time, um, the Russians getting tired because it's cost loads of money and stuff and supplies. The intensity of fighting, at least from my personal experience, uh, slowed down. Yes. Makes 
sense as well because there is not as much moving. There is no 10, 20, 30 case per day of, you know, taking the ground from one other side. Now it's more trench warfare. It looks like it's slowed down. But in regards to how much artillery goes, I think our guys were saying we actually can feel the difference finally that it's not only enemy artillery, you know, you you know shooting at us but we're shooting at them as well then hard to say really hard to say to be honest yeah like from this is like where i yeah you go go, sorry no no go for it Uh, i was gonna ask like from your experience on the front do you think ukraine can overcome this war and can and then can push the russians back to the original border Uh, this, with the support of the world, that's a must, US and so on, with the support of the war, and maybe a couple higher-up people, more than a couple higher-up people, pulling the fingers out of the asses and actually start slamming and, and uh, cutting the heads of the people who steals massive amount of the equipment and so on. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because uh, I think Ukrainians now have over a million soldiers ready to fight the people there, Ukrainians. I was amazed. I was up so many men just ready to go to fight. It's like ridiculous, phenomenal number of men. As soon as the war started, men and women were just rejected at the at the recruitment offices because there's so many ready to go and fight. So many. It's like I never seen, I never been in a country where there are so many people ready to fight. And yeah, I think they can with the support and changing mentality and making some improvement in regards to literally the uh, the corruption of stealing, stealing, stealing left and right vehicles constantly disappearing as well, and so on. It's like yeah, they definitely would win. Definitely, they will win. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but how much faith, I guess, do you have in that that corruption will get sorted out? I guess, sooner rather than later. I think uh, more, as, 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 as I said before, from the small companies or charities who donate vehicles or a couple of helmets to the larger companies, by the sound of it, it's more and more than once the foreigners to deal with the transportation organization and so on a simple companies may deliver a couple couple vehicles per week to the front the guys driving the cars from point a to point b literally into the front and making the pictures and showing guys these vehicles definitely reached the front did not stay in the kiev and some fat commander haven't stole them hit them and sold them or whatever then i think yeah it it will improve because the pressure will go higher and higher there is more and more projects i hear when uh, huge companies want to implement their own their own logistics teams made of the foreigners who they know definitely will do the job right then hopefully that will start poking uh, let's say that study when you start poking the fingers in a certain people they probably will need to step up like what happened with the spu commander the main chief you know, they needed to change because too many people from other countries find out about what's going on. Then hopefully it will happen as soon as possible because now when the guys see see loads of heavy equipment, then the country should have enough anti armored vehicles equipment to, to, to smash them, but they don't have any. It's like, how come those guys are the top of the, the top of the food chain? They should have anything they need, to be honest. 
where it all disappeared. Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. it's difficult, isn't it? That that level of corruption. Yes, it is. It's like I said, very frustrating. Our yeah. own friends, as you know, and so on, because pure level of corruption. It's like guys. It's not even skill of the of the enemy. Just literally pure corruption. And the Russians you have come up against personally, and I guess with your teams, are they well trained soldiers? Are they well equipped, or are they more like con uh, conscript soldiers with no idea? It depends where. I think. I think what I noticed, the more skilled guys, they don't get captured or killed as easily. But the ones, uh, the the conscripts you call, those probably we get around. But what I noticed personally, uh, let's say the same Appin and Butcher, they left loads of not only dead bodies and so on, but they left loads of marks of their heavily drinking. And the interesting thing, they were banning those places. It's like, it's like they were opening their own clubs of drinking and after they retreat, they ban everything and so on. It's like everywhere was, you know, everything smashed and so on. There was what kind of a professional soldier will come and break every door and smash everything, ban and, and drink intensively. They're drinking. Like myself, I think I had my first welcome two shots of, of of spirit two shots and that's it in like two or three months time when i joined a new team and that's it and we were founding finding loads and loads of leftovers of alcohol and the, that for me was a big thing how professional you are if you consume such amount of alcohol mm. and then the people the same, the same ones happened we were fighting a lot but butchers was we had the chance to speak with some lo more with locals and they were saying, look, at the beginning they were stealing mattresses and beddings and so on. We understood, but when they start breaking into the into the shops, uh, stealing alcohol and demanding for sex, space sex, and if, if people refuse, then they would rape and so on left and right. And it's like, how come how come highly skilled soldier could do such a thing? I know we, we do violence and so on, but we do violence to the enemy, not to the civilians. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's Until now, I'm quite shocked with the attitude. And they've been fighting like this from the old days. When you look at the history, they've always been rapings and, and lootings and so on and drinkings. Because like in my country, most of... My father age people, they all served to the Red Army. It was not optional. It was, oh, you go serve or we're just going to shoot you on a spot. And all these stories was about heavily drinking. Looks like since 50 years ago or so, they haven't changed. And that's how come they allow the commanders and so on, so heavily drinking and looting and raping and so on. It's like, where's the professionals? That's not a professional's job. Can't imagine professional acting like this. It's like, just... Maybe I don't understand something about the warfare, but I've been in more than a couple of places and even some very, very bad places where civilization barely exists. But even there, civilians was big no. Enemies enemy, but if it's civilian, you're not going to do things what they were doing or drinking so much when you're operational. It's like, yeah, it really, really, really surprised me. Then, yeah, my personal experience, the poorly trained, poor 
well equipped in regards of heavy equipment like tanks and BTS, BMPs, and so on, all, all the big toys, which is harder, you know, to take down with what we have. Otherwise, we, they, they constantly were using artillery. It's really hard to get to them. They were constantly, anything moves, they will kill. It's a civilian or it's my own eyes. I seen, I remember I passed the uh, three young men in Airpin and um, other team, which were closer, were planning to approach those three young men and it opened up. The artillery from the Russian side were hammering those kids. They, they smashed them into bits. I probably was like 150 meters uh, watching, you know, the, the, the artillery work and they were just hammering that place, absolutely annihilating them. Why you would use so much artillery on the civilians? That's again, how professional is this? You know, yeah. it's, I haven't came across since since day one till now till to where we say, "Wow, that was professional." The guys knew what they were doing. No, no, not not from my personal experience. I truly believe they should have experienced soldiers because they've been fighting in many places because most countries which supporting them being occupied by them anyway and they should but I came across, I haven't came across any professionals so far does that make you think that maybe Russia just has not yet deployed their professional units or are those units just not as trained as we might think uh, they deployed from when you speak to the guys who've been, like I said, in, in a fight from 2014 and so on. Uh, they said they, they actually deployed majority of the experienced fighting force at the beginning of the war. Right. And as you know, at the beginning of the war, they were taking just phenomenal amount of uh, casualties, phenomenal account of casualties. We were, take, we were making some serious damage at the beginning until it became more trench warfare after the Kiev got defended, all that side from Belarusia got defended, and we start moving the other side. Uh, east and south, that's where the trench warfare started digging. That's where we start. It became much uh, harder ridiculously harder to identify actually you know kill someone and so on if, if you are if you had effective fire and so on it's just so much harder to identify but yeah that's our thing in the beginning they got they, they send their best boys most of them died which of course they will have some smarter units who probably try to be refilled with the new manpower but yeah I know the only thing that the Air Force still have plenty of power yes uh, that's what we'd be advised to remember from US. Like I said, we had a serious visit and the guy said, don't forget, they have still plenty of uh, Air Force left in them, Then, but why are they not using it yet? Yes, like... that's, that's something that I have been pondering on massively as well, is the overwhelming power of the Russian Air Force uh, and that it seems like it's just not getting used. What, what's your thoughts on that? At the beginning, they were using a lot of the Air Force, but they were taking like phenomenal, again, amount of the planes and stuff taken down. Mm. We hear that the uh, pilots were like mm. literally refusing to go in. And, and you have loads of videos in general of a, a, a large amount of Russian soldiers saying, nah, we, we, we didn't come here to do what, you know, they've been out to say tricked into coming in the certain places fighting and so on or given the jobs which are incapable to doing so of themselves are saying so you know there is plenty of plenty because myself i speak russian because i was born um 
when I was born, my country was still under Russia's oppression. Yes. It was part of the of the of the SSR. And yeah, uh, it's it's it stayed there's plenty of videos of them saying we didn't want to go to fight here and so on and so on. We're fully refusing to go any further because we're not trained and we we wasn't ready for that kind of a specialized fighting and so on. I think they they probably can't do much as they would like to because you know you can use your air force but then you need someone to fill the ground as well it's yeah. like it's like a half job it's like a starting the engine yeah engine is working but there is no fuel to drive the car then and i think they probably paranoid that the whole nato or something could trigger you know the war could be triggered with the nato they could be um keeping it for the for the bigger problems in case it would happen yeah, then I think that's two reasons. One is they're incapable to fill up the areas which they, let's say, would bomb or so on. And the second one, they they paranoid and they're waiting for bigger war. Yes, because that's, I guess, a bit of what I've seen is I, I think that maybe that's more so that Russia is waiting for, like, keeping a lot of equipment back in case, you know, NATO does come because, like, the evidence of the really modern tanks and really modern planes, at least from my opinion, I just haven't seen it. And I'm, I, I'm surprised because I, I sort of thought, well, hang on, there's not much that Ukraine would have in its, um, like in its back pocket to be able to shoot down like a Su-57 or something. I'm like, why, why are they not using this? Or is this because they are paranoid that if NATO comes in, that they will still need that equipment and can't, can't lose it early? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, probably. You go, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, you go. You go. <laughs> I wanted something to see, and I forgot to be oh, honest. Sorry. Uh, uh, I just understood. Yeah, I just just realized what I wanted to say. Uh, let's don't forget there is a different mentality. I think yourself, you have been deployed into the countries where uh, cultures are very different. Right. You know, fighting and locals from the small things to fighting, they're very different mentalities, you know. And let's don't forget Russians in regards of a stealing and corruptions. They probably one of the, how to say, they laundered loads of money because I think when the Putin went into war, he'd been lied to that all those money which been invested into the mighty uh, Red Army actually been loads of stolen and laundered and so on. If Ukraine can manage to steal so much, to steal so much um, equipment and so on and laundering and stealing, you know, all that shady stuff while they've been attacked, try imagining what's going on in Russia. Yes. They, they stealing and corruption and how they laundry the money. Like um, when, when they were retreating from uh, Airpin, and Bucha, they were, they, we had some of the most, um, what do you call, there was one of the largest or most intense artillery assaults, not assaults, let's say artillery discharges in the whole war. And we were joking, we're saying Russians actually, they did it purposely just to sign, write it off, their munition and so on. Because mm-hmm. not all ammunition which been shot actually been shot out and so on, because then they can steal, sell and so on. Don't forget, they, so many of the commanders need to cover the, the big projects, let's say. Then it could be that, yes, they have some parade equipment, but it's not as much as the Putin even himself thought because the corruption is ridiculous in that country. Literally beyond understanding. Yeah. 
yeah. different culture, very different culture on stealing and obtaining stuff which shouldn't be yours, especially when your neighbors needs it and so on, but different mentality. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely something, I guess. And, and you say correctly, I come from like the Australian army and like the Australian army is has corruption through the networks, but you know, I couldn't imagine what it's like in, in a in a foreign army, like say, for example, like Russia, how much corruption there must be. Like I think if Australian colonels get away with it, like how much must the Russian colonels be able to get away with, I guess. And literally beyond understanding, because that's what my missus reminds me. She said, Look, you've been mainly serving in professional armies and professional companies and so on where yes they do their own job but not that when personal weapons disappears from the armories i never even even in in some african countries i was your personal weapon to disappear that's that's like absolutely beyond stupidity then try imagining what's happening on the russian side and they've been always like this uh, everyone who served in the army they were saying they were stealing left and right anything they can and even things what they can is like ridiculous amount they were stealing even then and as we see the mentality haven't changed a lot they're still drinking a lot uh, disobedient unorganized and so on then it could be just part of the culture yeah oh for sure can you without I guess, giving away anything. Can you tell me about your experience before this war? Uh, I was uh, in African countries doing mainly private jobs. And there was quite a bit fighting and so on. Then I seen quite a bit of a corruption and so on. And, and then I served in my own country for many, many years. And let's say more on the lines, doing the job, what I like. And yeah, that's that's the most I can tell you, to be honest. No, that that's absolute. That's absolutely fine. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit about the situation that was inside uh, Butcher and Erpine? Because there's so much misinformation out there, I guess, on both sides. Everything from how bad it was all the way through to um, propaganda machines saying that it was a lot of it was staged. Um, like the casualties on the road were staged and everything like that. But I'd like to hear it from the source, like your best Um, explanation of what happened there from, from your own eyes. Yeah. From my own eyes, from my own experience, like I said, I I seen guys being and people being killed by their own artillery or not their own, by the Russian artillery. And they were, they were shooting anything what moves, literally anything they registered, they will, they will deliver loads of loads of loads of loads of artillery rounds. Let's say when we were coming into Athens, our artillery units were in the forest and there they were using actually in the city, they were all over the city moving the artillery, depending on what kind of, a, uh, let's say, equipment they're using but some we, we actually seen ourselves when they shoot from one spot and from another spot and they're using the houses and the people as the cover the russians mm. and uh, identifying the targets they were they were they were shooting literally anyway anything moves anything moves we 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 always identify and so on and double check and get in contact with the other teams and so on and you know you just don't shoot anything what moves but for them it's like was ridiculous ridiculous the amount of people killed and their own stories and so on is just beyond beyond it's like i said all those all those places where they drank and so many 
so many banned places and trashed places anywhere we come across where the russians where everything was smashed and stolen and just full-on looting full-on looting our places it could be the 15 in the same building and the uh, expensive especially buche is um it's the very let's say high-end city high-end part of the kiev I would say that's where the rich people would live. There was there was poorer areas, but there was l- large amount of very very rich areas, very rich houses, and so on. And where we were, like you said, keys of the cars and expensive alcohols and so on, everything left. Our guys didn't touch much stuff, but yeah. where the Russians, everything been wiped out, absolutely wiped out. In one place in Bucha, I remember one guy. He's He's like fighting age guy, but he was, you can see, have some kind of a strong disability. And he said, well, the one day the tank was, uh, the guys, the Russian guys were drunk in the tank and driving around and in no combat zone. There was no combat going on for a while in that area. And they said, they, I forgot how he said, they thought that there was a sniper in the building and they start shooting at the building. It's like, and his mom confirmed the same story and so on and so on. There were so many stories when them just shooting at people. Mm. Which is which just makes sense. The stage, well, ask those guys who've been there. I had some people telling me how it was in Bush. I said, wait, I was one of the first people to go in there and to uh, we were the last ones to leave. Because yes. we were after after the butcher got defended and towards the Gostomel, that's it. We were we were straight away redirected in less than a week into the uh, south side of the of the of the country, because we were actually you know a direct action. Mm. Then how people can tell? I still hear those stories, and I say, wait, can you listen to me? Then try listen to me. I've been there and I've been not been sitting in a trench or something where I've been moving a lot, a lot, a lot, different unit, different places then. Yes. It's not like from one spot, let's say stage spot, if someone would say, well, maybe it was stage for you all, but it's not. Uh, Andy, who been captured, first his video was really smart. It's all over. He's quite hidden, but it's all over the internet. They tried to probably someone to, 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 to hide it. Andy, who got captured in the first interview, he pretended to be a bit of more volunteer and so on. He was playing smart. But then you can see he they cracked him. And the second and third videos, he was saying about the butcher that he didn't see any bodies and so on. And like, mate, you was in my team, in my fire team. You know, not the battalion, not something, not the platoon. We were in the same fire team. Right. We've seen the same bodies. We've seen the same deaths. We did the same fighting. But I fully understand that's how the propaganda works. They, they're good at torturing people, the Russians. And it's my Andy. We've yeah. made fought so many weeks and months. And now you're telling that nothing was happening there. And that's how they use propaganda. It's like ridiculous. That's my guy. We, we've been there until the last day. I swapped the teams when we moved to the, towards the south, but we were in the same team until the last day in the butcher. And you see the same guy who'd been there because he'd been captured. Now they're using him as someone who says, no, there was no bodies, there was no killing, there was nothing. It was everything clean. Yeah. What the stories of the people and our own eyes and our own, let's say, actions while we've been there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how, let's say, how much I can say, I guess, without no. repeating that too much no for sure and that's that's why i appreciate you so much speaking to me on this because you know i've confirmed that you're 
legit and like you know that it's from your own eyes rather than third fourth fifth hand information which it seems to be everything out here to be honest mm. um have you read the the article reported from amnesty international um basically accusing ukraine of um basically accusing them of war crimes can you give any insight into that if you've read that article uh, well, <laughs> um, like I said, I went through three teams so far, and like I said, there was quite serious amount of my uh, close friends dead and injured and so on. I'm on the holidays for now over a month, and I try to keep away of any unnecessary information, unless it's my own guys who is in a hospital or yes. someone is having businesses. No, I haven't read, but. I can roughly guess where it's all going. Then if you want, you can give me a quick brief and I will share my opinion on that matter, I guess. Yeah, that'd be great. So I guess the big the big accusations are uh, that the Ukrainian soldiers didn't um, really provide any evacuation for people in civilian areas uh, and that they were staying in like civilian houses Um and like occupying civilian areas while there were still civilians in those areas, um, using like hospitals as somewhere to like stage attacks out of or store weapons um, and things along those lines. More, um, I guess, the, the way I read it if, it, if it was true, was more humanitarian laws being broken rather than, I guess, some war crimes. It was more yeah, they were fighting in civilian areas. They knew they were civilians out of civilian buildings and out of things like um, hospitals and, and all that. But I guess you have a lot better insight than myself. Yeah, I can use only my personal experience so far. Hmm. When we came in, we used a couple of schools to stay before, before we got our contracts signed up and so on. But after that, we were we we were moving into buildings and so on where there is no people. Even if there was, like they say, the 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 last parts of the uh, airpin just before going into Bucha, the hmm, we never had a single firefight or anything to to jeopardize the civilians. Never, ever, ever. And I never heard anyone being, to be honest, mm. injured or necessary or using uh, life targets because uh, if you're going to start, how say, disappointing the local people, your own people, that's, that's, that's like, a, well, you're asking for, for losing the war and so on. Mm. Except I personally haven't heard anything anywhere. Like I said, our artillery was hitting from the forest. All fighting was coming from the forest while the Russians were directly using the, the buildings and so on to fight. Yes. The buildings we were using to fight nearly always was empty. And if it wasn't, it was just before we, we moved somewhere else and so on. It's Like I said, I haven't had a single time when the civilians got um, involved because of us mm. so no. far. Yeah, th yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for that insight. I, I do appreciate that. What What about in, like, in Donetsk city? Because I know there is definitely some, at least it could be propaganda, but evidence and people I've spoken to in that city who say that Ukrainian artillery is indiscriminately hitting that city. 
Mm. You see, donuts. The problem with donuts is the uh, it's highly pro-Russian side of the country. Mm. A couple other sides pro-Russian. There is a really serious issue with the so many pro-Russian civilians and stuff who are passing the information constantly to the enemy and so on. For me, it's hard to say anything about how they how they how they conduct the fighting against 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 uh you know all those let's say um, spies if you can call it and so on. I really don't know, mm. and yeah, hard to say. Hard to say. At least. Anyone who I know never admitted shooting a civilian or, or using direct artillery, any kind of any kind of engagement. So far, to be honest. Yeah, right. But do you think there could be more done from the Ukrainian like resources to like protect civilians or provide evacuations, or do you think that's being handled fairly well? You see, the problem is, uh, the Russians have been continuously continuously doing those like ambushes they agree of uh, green corridors and then they absolutely annihilate mm. there was one they call katol katol and um, my my missus is great at the dates and the numbers she's like absolutely phenomenal at at recalling their history and they had i think over a thousand people killed just before not this war but before they had some kind of a conflict and they gave a green tunnel the russian to the people to retreat uh, pretty loads of soldiers and stuff they, and they all got slaughtered absolutely slaughtered they even it became of the one of the country's things to remember and it's been happening constantly when uh green corridor has been trying to mate and so on but the russians just absolutely like i said i seen with my own eyes anything moves for them they don't care they just they just they, it looks like they have infinite amount of the artillery and so on they would fire at anyone who moves yeah and yeah, I don't know what the Ukrainians could do, to be honest, because it's so heavily pro-Russian area. It's really hard to fight because there's probably most of, of those people supporting more Russians than Ukrainians. And it's really hard to say. That's never a topic which I thought about too much. I just knew that it's very dangerous because it's more pro-Russian and we need more foreign soldiers, let's say, in a, in a foreign legion and so on. International legion. Uh, where where there is more people who can speak uh, Russian as well because just yeah it's 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 a different fighting different warfare than how it was in the other sides of the country because that's the mainly pro-Russian areas. Yes, and how how sort of pro-Russian are those towns? Like the people left on that on those frontline towns, would you say that they're majority pro-Russian? Or just people left? Like, how common is, is it, it to be pro-Russian out there? As by the sound of it, it's, uh, I would say nearly next to the majority, definitely more pro-Russian than, than the... Because those areas, I don't know the history again, my, my miss is really good at it. Those areas, I think it was Russia areas. Yes. Originally, it was settlements by the Russians. I'm not sure now. Or they, or they send loads of Russians like the British did in Northern Ireland and so on. They try to, you know, dilute the local population. And I'm not sure if it's a dilution of the local population or like the Russians did. They gave away some lands as a sorry lands like they did in, in Latvia. They gave a part which is purely Russian. It's, uh, I don't remember the name now, but... Uh, 
in in that part of the town and and that area the latvians speaks only russian and most of them have russian passports and so on that it could be the same with Donetsk. i'm not sure i haven't looked into that but by the sound of it what i know we were prepping for much more complicated warfare because of the amount of the pro-russian supporters you know, yeah. giving away our positions and so on, our movements. Yeah, that makes it such a harder three, four-dimensional environment if the civilians around you are calling in potentially like your locations, positions to and handing it over to the to the other side to then fire upon. Yeah, yeah, that's what probably happened with our mutual friend. The team got ambushed at really not a place they should be ambushed. And they've been ambushed very accurately. And the first mortar rounds were, were just perfect. Straight yeah. away into killed and injured soldiers. Highly experienced, highly, highly, not some 20 years boys, but men 30, 40, over 40 years old with plenty of military experience, a combat experience. And they got absolutely annihilated on the first 100 meters in the enemy territory. Yeah, it does a lot. That there is there is quite a lot of information leaking, or I don't know what else it could be. How come the enemy was so accurate and so good at so and timing and accuracy and so on? We've been we've been mortared like to to, to ridiculous amount, and they just don't hit you, and they use different different stuff to hit you. It's like <laughs> from three different artillery units, and yeah. we still all well, most of us alive, but there the guys straight away got. You know, killed and injured. It's yeah. like make wonder how come it can be from from being so inaccurate and so useless into so accurate and so good. You know, so let's say so precise killing, fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And have you come across uh, like any of the the mass graves that Russia's been accused of? of having of both their own and civilians and or um, them burning burning bodies to try and apparently get rid of like some evidence of um, both their, their own killed and, and killed civilians? Um, proper mass graves, I haven't. Only the, 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 the places where they banned the civilian, where whoever they banned, because like I said, there was a... Again, as I repeat myself, there was loads of uh, marks of that there was uh, heavily drinking because loads of alcohol, alcohol, mm. alcohol, you know, bottles and so on, and bodies. Then half knows I wasn't able to identify was it their own soldiers or the civilians or what because they haven't left much after them. Yeah, and and how yeah. how is how is the morale of the Ukrainian fighters like? Are they? You know, are they upbeat or are they a bit beaten down? Like, like, how's the morale currently? It's really interesting. Like I said, in regards of being brave and wanting to fight it really high, mm. but like I just spoke to my friend recently and they're in area where there is loads of loads of special forces guys. And they said they were like a small secluded gangs. They said they barely work with each other. It's like, gangland and it's like how come guys you on the front lines and you should be the top tier you should be like working with each other really well you know yeah. a bit of a band it's normal a nag there nag there you know it's, it's a joke there maybe sarcasm but no they're like I don't know it's really strange high morale but they're still struggling to work together 
mm. from my personal experience. Like um, the main thing when we were running a training for the guys, uh, let's say closer to the front line, and one of the higher commanders I was translating for him, and there were question was given to him how well we are supported on the front lines. And he said, depending how good is your commander with making the contacts with the local, you know, artillery teams, with this, with this, with this, it depends how much support you will get and so on, on how good is the commander of speaking to others and, you know, arranging things, which is quite odd. Like in our military, it doesn't matter how corrupted you are, but if you have a job to do or it's part of your job, it's going to get done. It's not a question mark. It's, a, you know, it's like different thinking, but it's like, no, it looks like they need to be in the arrangements. Yes. Yeah, that's a very, it's, it's a bit of a who you know, not what you know, isn't it? Yeah, but that's ridiculous. So war, guys, we're all on the front line. We're all together. How how come it can be, you know, you more important than me and so on? Yeah. And I have to ask because I know so many people will like, will, will, um, will hit me up in the comments about this. But what has your experience been with, I guess, the, the nationalist groups in Ukraine and as people would say, the, the neo-Nazi uh, like sympathizers slash groups um, that people accuse of people like Azov and stuff like that? Can you sort of explain any of that? Well, uh, since day one, I came across my modern couple Azov guys because they have a base in Kiev as well. It's not only like most people think Azov style and that's where the Azov only comes from and so on. I haven't came across of the fashion so far. I came across of couple stray um not supporters like us of the of the of the of the of the Hitler, but that was a foreign guy wait from where I think Brazil. Right. And that's the only time I came across anything like this, to be honest, personally. And like I said, I've been around I've been around quite a lot. I've been engaging with various teams and so on. Yeah, that's that's my personal experience, and I never heard so far about the fascism and so on. But then when you look, Europe is like we're quite well, let's say Baltic countries is quite can be very racist to be honest. It's not as liberal yet. They're moving towards it, but they're not. And it's strange if someone would even say that there is something something towards that kind of a stuff in Ukraine when the rest of the Baltic countries, so many other countries, most of the Africa racist. If the white man never been in Africa long enough, they don't know how, how we, we've been called milking cows. Then, yeah. Unless yeah. we're talking about proper Nazi, Nazis and, you know, sympathizers of uh, Hitler style stuff that no, I haven't came across nothing like this happily because if I would, I would be definitely talking about it definitely yeah because i, I guess you're you're so open and honest about it which i appreciate so much um and i guess people make it sound like it's everywhere and i've, I've been called out online too being like look i haven't really seen much of it like i've definitely seen some stuff that's nationalist but there's a big difference between being proud of your country and being a nationalist and being a nazi sympathizer like i think that that line has got blurred um, I like the liberal, but like there's, there is a line. Uh, and I'm like, look, I've seen some stuff that might be nationalist, but that stepping into that neo-Nazi, it's not as common as some groups might make it out to be. But I, I really appreciate you, you speaking on that because that is like the biggest tactic of, of the, the pro-Russian groups 
you know, which I, I follow to, you know, get some insight on both sides of the propaganda that's coming out. Um, is yeah, that's yeah. like their big claim is that the, these, I'll say neo-Nazi groups are, you know, they're everywhere that they're not few and far between. Mm. You see, that's the first thing which I was concerned before going to war. I spoke to a couple of people who was already on the front lines and stuff. And I said, and I was the same. I was like, I don't want to be your Nazi rapist killer, Azov, and so on. One of my friends, like 10 years, one of my best friends over 10 years. And he was like, are you going to Ukraine fight for those people and so on? And I said, yes, I will. And he's like, and he was like, I hope you're not going to get into Azov and see how rapists and so on and so on they are. And I said, and time will show if what I will let you know. And he's like, hopefully we'll survive that. And like, yeah, I hope so. And guess what? I came across many of Azov guys and I actually spoke to the commander when I thought about uh, going safe in Azov, but then you need to pass the selection and so on and so on. But then I got better off and I'll, I turn it down, but I still have that in mind. And then, like I said, I haven't came across that kind of a bullshit, which I was so worried prior to coming to the corrupted country. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and, and, and on a different topic, I guess, what is your thoughts with, with winter approaching in the next, say, eight to 10 weeks? There's been a lot of talk about that it will really slow down uh, the war and the potential Russian advance has to be within the next couple of months. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, winter warfare, as you notice, that's what uh, so many countries try to perfect. That's probably one of the hardest warfares when you look jungle warfare and so on, even mm. deserts. But the cold, you know, it stopped the Napoleon, it stopped the Germans and the World War Two, and so on. You can't underestimate the winter then depending how much they have because i'm i'm suspecting personal then the russians don't have much much power in them and resources to be able to push much harder because you you can have as much equipment as you want but if high high amount of it doesn't work as well as you would like to and there is not enough manpower to run it and so on i doubt they will have anything besides just more shots and you know, they're getting more and more desperate with their firepower and so on. And by the look of it, Ukrainians improving a bit. The artillery, like I said, the boys were saying, finally, we're hammering them before the assault for two hours with the artillery and then taking the ground, you know, and so on. Then I guess they will try to show that they definitely should. They will try to push, but I doubt they have enough to push properly or make any difference. And again, the attacking costs loads of lives, lives and resources and equipment and so on. I noticed myself attacking is cost you. It's a very costly thing. And I see as a, I don't know, boxing, you know, professional fighter. You 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 give the opponent to you tie you tiring down your opponent, and then you can strike them much harder when they quite, you know out of breath and i think they're giving them to get out of breath and then probably ukrainians at some point will hit really hard because they have insane amount of reserve of soldiers which no one talking about there's thousands of thousands of soldiers we see in ourselves who far from the front line haven't been deployed yet there is there's is so much going on which well we shouldn't be probably even talking too much which is good because you never know what's going on on the ukrainian side they're far from using all of the resources, all of the soldiers and so on. Yes, right. Do you, do you think that Ukraine could 
launch, would have the capacity to launch an offensive against that current occupied Russian areas? Certain areas, yes. They, they, they have their little wins in certain areas, but like I said, yeah, yeah, well, in their place, I wouldn't see the point in doing so, to be honest. Again, yeah. to to lose so much manpower. One, one assault, one assault, it cost them so much heavy, like the last assault of my team, it cost, it cost lives. It cost lives, it cost people got injured, uh, loads of equipment got uh, damaged and so on. It's like, what's the point? Yeah, you got a bit of a land. Yeah. And you lost so much, then is it worth attacking? But you never know. Maybe some commander going to want the medal or something. You hear those stories when the guys get sent against the armored, armored equipment with only a case in their hands. I know personally someone who been who been given an order to attack uh, to attack the Russians with four mags in, in, in his pouches with nothing le- nothing else besides those mags and the commander refused to do so and he got arrested and a couple of those guys were serving with me after that. And what would it look like if, if you refused to do that attack like that, that gentleman and you got arrested? What what does that look like from there? Like are you, do you go to jail? Do you get kicked out of the country? How does that look? Uh, there was uh, there was the commander who refused. He wasn't a foreigner. Then I don't know. Probably he went to the jail. I really don't know his what happened to him next. But I know that he got arrested. Other guys who was was foreigners. Foreigners we since this day, as I know, they just they just cancel our contract and say happy days, goodbye. Yeah. Because we refused to one operation. We got sent back from the front line back to Kiev. Other team. Agreed to go there, and like I said, they took 95% casualties. <laughs> and yeah, for us it's simple, but for the Ukrainians, they have different contracts. The contracts I'm pretty sure still till the end of the war, and now is until we refuse, you know, until we cancel the contract. Then it's two different sides. It depends if you're Ukrainian or you're foreigner, different contracts. Then yeah. I doubt they would jail us unless we do something really bad but never happened and I know many teams who refused in the end to repeat their assault into the area where we'll just will be no 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 gain for us only taking the casualties and the guys get reassessed they usually get sent back from the front line back into the commanding offices and then officers run the investigation and usually because of a uh, the amount of the foreigners fighting there, probably from what I experienced, probably when <laughs> from 500 people, which I know, probably it's uh, only 50 or 100 left because they just, we had enough of this. That's absolute bullshit. As you know yourself, someone, uh, he got injured and most of the guys just left. They said, no, that's just ridiculous. What do you want us to do? It just, you not, you don't know how to use us properly. And even Ukrainians agreed. Some of them, they said, we, we probably will still need a year or two to learn how to use you properly because, you know, they easily can send you to the trench and that's it. But if it's, you know, if it's more specialized job, looks like they don't know what to do. Then, yeah, that's my answer. Not the best one, but the best I could no, come I, up I, with. I, I greatly appreciate <laughs> that. And where do you think this war is leading? Like, where do you think that this is going to end? Do you think it's worth Ukraine having diplomatic talks with Russia or or not worth it? Um, 
I don't know how it's now, but when I was still serving, after each talk, we had something bad happening, really, really bad, you know, a big assault or something after each talk. I, I agree. People always should talk. That's our, that's the highest power we have as a species. That's the, that's why we, let's say, so one of we what what the most dominating species in the world we should use the talking but I think it will end for the Russians it's hard to lose their face for mm. the Putin and the people who supports him and so on then I think it will run until the last ruble 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 yeah okay. <laughs> it will run until the last because for the it's hard to not hard to they just can't say oh well we had enough we we're giving you territory back. They just can't. Uh, just there is no way back in the mentality. You will better uh, sacrifice the whole country and people in it than say, "Well, okay, we step back. We're not winning anything here. We're only losing." They will run until the last penny, and I just hoping that that's more like a logist logistic warfare at the moment, because Ukraine have to win. If they don't win, uh, the rest of the world, it's especially close countries, Baltic countries and so on, they will be in high risk to be next because what I assume they would do, they would lick their wounds, learn from something, you know, learn from the war, and then they would fight from the from the territory of Ukraine and Belarus and so on. They, who wants to fight in their own garden? It's, it's you know, it's they want to defend because they may concern was of how the Putin was talking that anti 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 air defenses and so on are too close to the Russia and they could you know it's just all the defense thing but then when they're in Ukraine if they would control the Ukraine and as they already control Belarus and so on like I said they could fight from those countries and he always wanted to reinstate the whole mighty SSR which Baltic countries and so on you never know how ambitious is that madman who who runs the country, well, partially runs the country. I guess there is still some serious people who gets involved into the decision-making. Can be one man. Yeah, and I guess that's my concern of, of, of this war with, I guess, as we both said, like some lack of equipment. We haven't seen, like, how much more does Russia have to give and how long will it take the uh, sanctions in place to actually start really affecting that war fighting capability or is Russia just using a smaller percentage of, of power now um, and potentially still has a lot more to overwhelm Ukraine? Well, I would, so far what I have seen and so on, they're losing a lot. Look all the businesses which closed down. That's yeah. probably millions of working spots. There's millions of people not getting paid uh then so many baltic countries and so many countries of us you know sending the people back and they're losing the jobs and so on i'm pretty sure they're already getting really bad but the mentality they had the same when they inv invaded the crimea they did exactly the same and that's what they advertising we survived the sanctions when we well we got back crimea or whatever they claim and they they they, they saying people everything will be okay we survive that we will survive this and don't forget the Russia. Um, it's 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 like a bit like Africa. It's not much mid class. It's more or you rich or you really really poor. Yes. Then you the, the the difference. It's not as big there. Like it's say England or so many Baltic countries, Australia. Mid classes are really strong, 
and usually you see how how bad is the corruption and so on or how good is economy by the mid class i would say how well is developed as more as the mid class is developed as more usual is the country you know stable financially and so on but they doesn't have it by the look of it you know it's super rich moscow they call it moscow a separate country you know moscow and couple of um uh, cities which where the rich people live but the rest of the country is really poor you know because the soldiers came in soldiers well, russians looters and rapists when they came in they were surprised about the toilets and so on and it makes sense they're pulling the they're pulling the manpower from the places where people don't have television and i know so many people who traveled to russia as, as, as who saved in the russia and so on and they're saying they've always been like this very low educated people and low income and so on it's and yeah i think yeah it's just logistical warfare at the moment sadly they will go on to the last until the last penny yeah i i guess that could get into my a bit of the um thing too though is if it is desperacy gets involved and it is a war of nutrition then you know, Russia does have a large population and they've proven they're not scared to throw people at something. And they do have a massive amount of firepower still at will. It's like, where does this lead us? Like, you know, if, if it is at their last ruble, what's then stopping someone pushing that, that big button to flatten cities? Mm. Well, then you see, my question is, yeah, that's that's one of my, again, one of the best friends, was best friend. And he's like, what about nuclear war and so on? And as you said, they still have some fighting power. But as you know, the fighting power is a nuclear weapons. Um, soldiers on expense, low-skilled soldiers on expense, and serious Air Force led, but not much else, to be honest, because yeah. they, they push the... They most of the armored vehicles and so on in ridiculous amounts. When you look at what they're using now, sometimes it's like, are you being serious? You can mock the equipment at the moment in certain places. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say. No, I, I really, I really do uh, appreciate it, your uh, Yeah. Sorry, what I wanted to say. Now I lost my thought. Um, what's the other option? Are we draining them until the last, until they give up or they use the nuclear weapons or are we letting them go in and win? It's like you need to look, you know, there is a white side and there's black side and mm. whoa, whoa, whoa. what's the outcome of it? Let's say they win, they win the war miraculously, which is next to impossible and they take the Ukraine, then they start draining the Ukraine resources and so on. They start rebuilding the... Uh, we're building their own country, and as usual, they always drain the, the other countries like they used ours. They, they they took everything what they could from our country, and everything was going to Russia, 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 or more to Moscow, Moscow, Moscow. And then they what would happen? They would rebuild, and then guess what? Well, how would happen with the Germany? They would they would come out with more firepower. I doubt they would just come down and say, "Okay, we finished here. It's all good." We're gonna keep Ukraine, Belarus, and then we're gonna be very nice after to the after after this war. I doubt it would happen like this, because try, try imagining all the soldiers coming back and all that poverty and so on. People will be angry, and that's what happened with the Germany. That's how Hitler managed to get so many people manipulated. He he played off a guilt game and so on. That you know we lost so much and we can get back so much and so on. And he played that game, and that's what Putin could easily play. The world yeah. just drained us down, and it's and it's 
and it's uh, how to say the the rest of the world is guilty and how the putin said himself he said why we need the war uh, the world without the russia something between the lines but he said himself why or why we need the world without the russia then you see his attitude and the that and the insane amount pe brainwashed people they did the same in our countries brainwashing people ridiculously brainwashing and yeah it will go until the last and if, if we def if, if 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 the ukraine loses i think the rest of the world will pay later on even a higher price because ah ukraine once they gave in and when they gave in they lost i think nine million people or something from the hunger they literally put the country on a, they called it great 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 something great great um was that Starvation. the agricultural crisis in like 1919 or something in Ukraine? Yeah, I think it was something like millions of millions my, of people. Yeah, if my missus would be here, she would explain. But that's how the culture have so many different... The cuisine is really advanced. They have insane amount of different foods because of the of the of the you know the hunger and so on people were needed to be inventive on the foods and so on and she said yeah they lost like nine million people or something i don't remember now she's the one who remembers the numbers and dates and her own history but she said even till this day people understand that um giving giving up you will lose more people because the russian tactics haven't changed since the same did in Lithuania. Why you would need to send thirty thousand or thirty or three hundred thousand people to Siberia to die and so on? They were annihilating our country, absolutely annihilating, killing left and right. We had uh, torture houses, even the smallest cities. Like I was in a small city, which I don't know now, maybe have thousand people or something, and they had a torture house there by KGB, the Russians, and I like. I know one is in, in, in Vilnius, in Lithuania, on the main street. There is a huge, huge building where the people were tortured. And it's the same happening in most places. Then, you know, the, 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 there is no other way than to continue fighting. There is nothing else. I don't know what else could be done. Yes. And do you think that the West is doing enough? No, no, there is loads of loads of talking and they, we're going to do give this, this and this and this. West not only need to give more, but need to control it better. As we spoke, damn Ukrainians are still very corrupted even when the war happening and still trying so many of them make the profits. Um, the help have to be more precise, more surgical. Like I said, our, our mutual friend spoke about the yeah, getting their own logistics and so on sorted and making sure that all the munitions and equipment, everything actually reaches the front lines or where it needs to be. Then, yeah, more help because, uh, like my side friend, where we have heavy fighting going on, tipped vehicles with. And the area is pretty hard. It's intensive fighting. And it's how come? Then, yeah, help, but more precise help. Be more strict. You know, put the put the fingers on, on, on those corrupted Ukrainians where, where they actually, where they everything travels. Because like our commander would, 
uh, take a bunch of grenades and ammunition in three days it all disappears not a single grenade seen and 10,000 of uh, five, five, six rounds disappears like are you being serious mate like serious those ammunition that's for the front line that's crazy that's a yeah, yeah, it is, it is. That's why I'm so, like I said, so disappointed. Uh, well, is, is there anything else um, you'd like to talk about or do you think we've covered most most things? I don't know, to be honest. No, I've been, I've been on that negative, um, well, negative thing for, for too long and I tried even to evade now those talks about killings and the corruption and... Uh, you know, and disagreements and disinformation, which is so much, is like, especially when you tell people, you know, no, no, I was there, I seen with my own eyes what happened. And he's like, nah, but I watched the news. Maybe I have been there. You know me for what, 20, like seven years. How come you believe news more than me? You know, but yeah, it's life. Nah, nah, that's it from my side. Yeah, I hope, like I said, I hope they will pick up. Uh, the investors and so on and all the charities will, will actually make sure that the stuff travels where it need to travel and a banner thing where with Ukrainians and the rest of us will definitely win against against such a evil sadly nation was yes well we thought that like this would happen again I never thought they would, I thought no point to find wars like this because it's you know, it's not like 1500 when you can capture the lands and use the slaves and so on and pillage. It's not the times to pillage and so on and slave is like, what's the point to kill so many people just for principle? This doesn't make sense. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's a, it's, a, it's a different time in a war, which I didn't think was actually going to happen it just made no logical sense and even to this day this doesn't make sense sure it doesn't with our mentality that's the thing yeah. our mentality you have different they think differently very differently sadly no you're very you're very correct well brother i really um i can't thank you enough for you know talking to me for i'm not sure how long it's been an hour and a bit um, I, I really appreciate it and I really appreciate your insight. And I, um, although my audience um, won't know who you are, um, they will be very appreciative of your, you know, firsthand insight on, on exactly what's happening on the front line. And I wish you all the best. Yeah, no worries. You're more than welcome. And hopefully some people get a bit more clear insight. Sadly, I can't be sometimes clear enough, but yeah, I did my best. No, brother. You did very very well, and um, I'd be great to meet you for a meet you for a beer rather than um, having to do this um over over online. We probably will. We probably will. I'd say, I'd say we definitely will. Yeah, I love Australia. It's a great place. It's one of the favorite places countries I've visited in my lifetime so far, and I traveled a lot. And we probably will catch up one day. Perfect, brother. <laughs> well, you um, you stay safe out there, mate. Yeah, you too, man. Good luck. Okay, thank you, brother. Cheers.